Welcome to our brand new show It's not that complicated so listen close We'll go through IMDB Reviewing all of Tom Hanks movies Hanks Bank, Hanks Bank Hanks Bank, Hanks Bank Hanks Bank, Hanks Bank Hanks Bank We begin this week, Jamie, with a riddle That's right I'm giving you a cipher to beat. We're going to see whether or not the game's master <laughs> Jones can defeat my riddle. It's it's bad that it took me a solid 10 seconds to realize the reason you were starting with a riddle is because we're reviewing Da Vinci Code. <laughs> okay, hit, hit me with your riddle stick. Jokes aside, my idea emerges synchronized under xylitol. Okay, I'm, I'm definitely going to need that repeated. Jokes aside... I, I, Okay. My idea emerges synchronized under xylitol. Okay, Un- under xylitol. Under xylitol. I, I, is that under as in beneath something, and then a word that is apparently xylitol? Yeah, xylitol. That's a word. Okay, how is it spelled? X Y L I T O L. Xylitol. X Y L I T O L. O L. Um. I ass- is is it going to be an anagram, do, or do I need to know what this word means? Because I do not know what this word means. I thought I'd write it down to see if I could make an anagram or something. Jamie, did the Priory of Zion give Robert Langdon clues? No, they didn't. They gave him the cipher, and he had to decipher it. <laughs> if it takes you the whole episode, Jamie, that's okay. If it takes you the rest of the show, that's okay. If it takes you till we stop doing Hank's Bank to figure out what the hell this riddle means, I guess it's going to happen forever. Okay, xylitol apparently is a kind of gum. Is that the kind of gum? Or are you, are you referring to the gum that I'm reading from healthline.com? Or are you referring to the chemical compound? Both. Both, okay. Um, so, jokes aside, I, I, I'm going to need to write this whole fucking thing down. Jesus Christ. So, uh, I'm making a note. Uh, jokes aside. My idea emerges synchronized under xylitol. Synchronized under xylitol. Jokes aside, my idea emerges synchronized under xylitol. Right, while I uh, pontificate upon that, hello and welcome to Hanks Bank, the show where we chronologically review Tom Hanks' entire MDB. I'm Jamie Loxon, with me as always is the Riddler, Alexander Gillespie. Say hello, Al. Why, hello there, Batman. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I'm... I don't know what the Riddler sounds like, to be honest. I don't feel like there's no. been any uh, de- defining performance uh, of the Riddler. Uh, uh, I feel like if I... uh, uh, I'm sorry, have you... Look, I haven't watched this film either, but I know Jim Carrey played the Riddler, all right? So we know what the defining uh, okay. performance was. <laughs> okay. Um, so ig- ignoring the fact that I'm going to be staring at this riddle the rest of this show, Al, <laughs> how are you this week? You know, I'm good. I'm good. Um, fun fact... Uh, because of your girlfriend, I I started running uh, for the last few weeks. Uh, I saw your because girlfriend. Because of my girlfriend. Well, she tweeted saying that she hated running in school, but she learned to like it afterwards. And uh, Alyssa had been bullying me. Alyssa, who's done a marathon, I think we mentioned this on the show, um, who has been bullying me for a year to try and get me to start running. 
has pushed me towards it. But but that tweet uh, saying actually it's not that as bad as you thought it was at school uh, motivated me to actually start running. Which so you know thanks to your girlfriend for saving my health. When I live to 150, you know whose hand I'm going to shake? Not Alyssa's, Ellen's. <laughs> well, you're not going to be shaking anyone's hand. I think I think we are going to accept that handshaking is going to be eradicated from our society from now on. We're just going to have to accept that. Uh, speaking of my girlfriend, I do actually have a friend's thoughts, uh, which of course actually this time is is a girl friend's thoughts um, because uh, she wanted girl to let me know, Al. Oh, so yes, of course, you need to get involved. Uh, we haven't actually had any friend's thoughts for a while, yeah. so we should um, explain to any uh, new listeners what friend's thoughts are. Uh, they are, of course, the thoughts of our friends. Uh, anyone who listens to this show, you are our friend. <laughs> Oh, I realised that was explanation. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, I realised yeah, that was a pretty redundant explanation. <laughs> um, if you listen to the show, you are our friend, and if you have any responses to the show, those are your thoughts. Uh, but you might wonder why uh, you hear us so aggressively say "friends' thoughts," uh, and that is, of course, because uh, "friends' thoughts" comes with an action, something we have described as a horizontal dab. You must dab into your left arm on the friends and onto the right arm on forts, and thus you make Fritz Forts. And in this special girlfriend edition of Girlfriend Forts, um, she wanted to let you know that uh, Americans do in fact have hay fever. Uh, they just refer to it as their allergies. That's vague. And, and I, I'm and, sorry. And, I'm but, sorry, guys. But sweet shit the second she said that, the second she yeah. said that, I did realise. Oh, I have heard Americans referring to their allergies. So I think, I think she is correct. I think they just don't use the word hay fever as much as we do. In which case, they use language incorrectly, all right? Allergies is a broad term. You can be allergic to lots of things, guys. Let's get specific here. <laughs> Your girlfriend would know. I, I, yeah, exactly, right? I think uh, the real issue is just that um, there's a lot of hay in the UK and there's not very much hay in America. Like, we, we're the world's biggest producer of hay, fun fact. And uh, because of that, just, you know, there are all these kind of carts in the streets just carrying down barrels of hay and people are allergic to that and they get it really, you know, itchy eyes. And I don't know what else heavier is. Maybe like a stuffy nose. Maybe like a, a scratchy throat. Um. Who knows? Um, sorry, I, I got I got distracted looking at the fucking riddle again. I tried googling it, and it seems you've actually made this up. Yeah, this isn't really... like some pre. Oh, I fucking hate you, and it's gonna be bad. It's gonna be bad. I know it is, but I'm gonna spend the whole fucking show trying to figure it out. Anyway, <laughs> solving riddles is relevant this week because, of course, we are the show that chronology reviews Tom Hanks' entire IMDb. But that's not all we do here. We are, of course, uh, with there's aliens and shit. Uh, we're not gonna talk about it this week because. Uh, we're going to have a little bit of a longer explanation of the aliens next week okay. for a reason which I will okay. uh, explain at the sure. end of this uh, episode. But uh, this week, for all you need to know, there's aliens. They want to blow up Earth unless we prove our worth to them. We're doing that by showing them Tom Hanks films. So we're chronologically going through the Tom Hanks uh, oeuvre uh, and deciding what goes in the Hanks Bank. The correction of uh, Tom Hanks TV shows and films that we're going to show to the aliens to prove our worth to them to join the United States of Space. Uh, don't worry, we'll explain it next week. Or if you don't understand that, Listen to a previous episode. It doesn't change very much. Mm. <laughs> um, anyway, so that means this week we are reviewing The Da Vinci Code. And normally we would prattle on for about 20 minutes because we don't really want to talk about the film. But this week I have a lot of fucking thoughts about this film. So we're going to get straight into it. Uh, anyone who uh, hasn't listened before, we do two things uh, on this show before we get into the film. We discuss, uh, well, we do three things. We prattle on for as long as we desire uh, uh, for the first, you know, anywhere between five and 
35 minutes of the show Mm -hmm. and then we give you a little bit of historical context and a little bit of film context that's context of the time in which this film came out and then a little bit of fun facts about the film's production itself Uh, we flip flop between those obviously Al it is your uh, turn to do historical context I, I have noticed that we have stopped checking in with each other uh, each week, yep, which yep, shows, yep, which, yep, 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 it is, which shows the, um, it, it shows the, uh, Ooh, we definitely uh, did. Oh, one sec. See, I was, Do, is it? I was, I was really, it definitely is. I definitely, because I talked last week, I talked all about, uh, the year 2000 and, uh, you the did. year 2005, which wasn't the actual year that uh, Cars came out, but because I was leaving the year 2006 that, uh, to you that's all by yourself. That's definitely Divinity a thing. Day. One second. I'm going to, like in The Matrix, I'm going to download all of uh, the of year 2006. 2006 into my brain. Uh, one second. Okay, well, while you're doing that, I would like to uh, explain the dramatic irony that just happened, which is uh, <laughs> that I was literally about to say that we have stopped checking in with each other, which shows the trust and belief we have in each other that we've never got it wrong. Yep, yep, And yep, as yep, I say yep, that, yep, yep. so have you got a whole load of uh, fun facts about the Da Vinci Code? A whole load is strong. I may throw in some fun facts uh, either while you're talking okay, about it or well, throughout we- the film. Um, yes, we'll see. We'll see. This can be an opportunity for short, you to short, review so guys, my uh, film content. I'm going from like the. I, I pulled up my trousers, and you know, I've just got lots of opinions. Uh, so, of course, uh, some, some some main things. Uh, Israel launches an offensive in the Gaza Strip. Fun, amazing. Israeli troops invade fact. Lebanon in response to Hezbollah kidnapping two Israeli soldiers. I'm not sure why there's a lot of Israel stuff here. Um, come yeah, on. Yeah, did you search Something... exclusively the sad shit that happened uh, in 2006? North Korea claims to have conducted its first ever nuclear test on October 9th. Super fun. Uh, on October 17th, the United States population reaches 300 million people. Crazy. There must be something fun. Ah, here we go. Finally, we found something fun. From the year 2006, other than, of course, the Da Vinci Code movie, am I right, guys? Uh, on November 19th, Nintendo releases its first home console targeted at families, the Wii, in North America. It would go on to become the best-selling of Nintendo's home consoles, selling, I believe, over 100 million units. Oh, uh, way more than that, I think. Uh, um, I that's 2006? I don't think way more than that. The Wii sold... Oh, did they... <laughs> okay, you, while you're doing that, I'm going to continue to look at this oh, Oh, it sold 101.63 million wow. units. Fair enough. Um, the PS2, I believe, has only only sold like 102. Oh, I think actually that may be the best selling. No, the PS2 is definitely the best selling. It's head of the week. Anyway, this is extremely boring for uh, all of our listeners who definitely don't play video games as much as we do. Oh, yeah, I was so wrong. Sorry. Actually, to be fair, um, Jesus Christ. So it is now uh, the PlayStation 2 sold 155 million units. The PS4 sold 108 million units. And the wow. PlayStation sold 102. So actually, the Wii uh, comes in at the fourth best. It's the selling. fourth highest selling console. Yeah, that is surprising. Um, and I, you know, what's sad is I think that is the second time in the history of this podcast that we have listed out the most selling consoles of all time. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anything else you have about 2006, or shall we just plow on into Da Vinci Code? Nah, let's plow on into Da Vinci Code. Okay, fantastic. Good work. Thank you very much for your I spent all my time on that riddle, okay? The riddle is going to carry us through. (laughs) So now uh, I will give in uh, a little bit of context about uh, The Da Vinci Code. And now you get to review in real time my uh, my information about The Da Vinci Code. As you can throw in any information that I may have missed. Um, Obviously, The Da Vinci Code comes out in 2006 and it's based on the 2003 book by Dan Brown. Mm -hmm. Now, interestingly, this is actually the second book 
in the Da Vinci Code, in the Robert Langdon, the main character series uh, of books by Dan Brown, but it is the first film that is released. I'll come back to that in a second. I realise normally at the top uh, we do a little plot summary for anyone who doesn't know about Dan- the Da Vinci Code, the book or the film. Uh, it is about uh, Robert Langdon, played by, of course, Tom Hanks, who is a uh, symbologist uh, who is brought in to find out, uh, to decipher the code left behind a, a the murder of an old man at the Louvre Museum. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it turns out that the police believe he was the one who actually did it. So Audrey Tattoo, the granddaughter of said murdered man, uh, is set, it helps him escape. And they go on a lovely adventure of trying to decipher the code of uh, the Holy Grail and the Catholic Church and the Da Vinci, all the Da Vinci's paintings and... You know what? Normally, this is a much easier thing to do oh, to yeah. break down this these oh, plots into uh, a short idea. Get ready for these twists yep. and turns, all right? Everyone loves a good yep. twist and or a turn, and the Da Vinci Code has at least one. Um, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, basically, it's all about uh, deciphering codes and figuring things out and the Illuminati and how there was actually, you know, a bunch of uh, fucking people protecting the... The, the secret of Jesus having a fucking kid. I don't know. We'll get into it. Oh, it's a really hard one to try and summarize in a few sentences. Yep, yep, yep. Anyway, so, um, yeah, this is actually the second book in the series, but mm-hmm. it is the first film, which I think uh, we'll come back to this, but I, we are obviously going to eventually watch that uh, second film, but yep. first book, Angels and Demons. And I think it is a particularly weird choice to make a first film about a book that is a sequel and then make a second film that is actually a prequel but about a book that was written before the sequel. But, but the sequel... It, this, I can't no, no, imagine no, no. it's going to be good. I think the Da Vinci Code... Sorry, I think Angels and Demons film, which I have... I've seen all three. The, oh, great. Pray for Lucky me, pray you. For me. But um, the Angels and Demons film, I think, is just meant as the sequel. Um, so the, I've read I've read the books as well. Um, oh, wow. You're going to know so much more than I do. Sure. I mean, I, um, I, there's a couple I haven't read. I've read some of them. I've read definitely I've read Angels and Demons and I've read um, the Da Vinci Code. And uh, Angels and Demons in the book happens, but is definitely before the Da Vinci Code. And there are a few references in the book uh, where they kind of mention back to like what he did at the Vatican in um, Angels and Demons. And I think in the second, I think in Angels and Demons is a movie though. There are some references to the Da Vinci Code film, so I, I think it works as a sequel, even though the book is a is the first book in the series. So I maintain my point. That's a fucking weird thing to do. Anyway, <laughs> um, but I understand why they chose to. Uh, uh, pick this film uh, as the first one because both the book and the film were wildly successful. Yeah. Uh, the book coming out in 2003 was second only to Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix in the same year, mm. selling 80 million uh, copies. And the film made $760 million on a $125 million budget, yeah. uh, despite it getting absolutely panned critically. It has about a 22% uh, rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, did not well responded by critics, but due to the success of the book, uh, the film also made a lot of money. Uh, it obviously stars Tom Hanks as Robert Langdon, Audrey Tattoo. How, how much money? Sort of uh, $760 million. So fun fact. That's a lot. That is a lot of money. Yeah. At the time, that makes... Is that, is that your fun fact? Here's one or two fun facts <laughs> I have. Uh, at the time, this makes it the highest grossing Tom Hanks film. Uh, it will be later upserted by two films. Do you know what those two films are? Uh, Toy Story 4. Yeah. And Toy Story 3? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I believe both, both made over a billion dollars. 
Yeah, that I mean, that was when uh, Disney were knocking billion fucking dollar movies out of their fucking ass. It's ridiculous. Anyway, uh, so yes, it stars Tom Hanks and Audrey Tortue. Um, it also stars Ian McKellen yeah. as a uh, Holy Grail expert, Alfred Molina as one of the uh, senior members of one of the secret societies, mm-hmm. uh, Jean Reno as the French uh, police officer who um, is tasked with uh, capturing him, and Paul Bettany, uh, better known as uh, Vision, literally in uh, in the Avengers movies and lots of other things. Whoa, whoa, whoa. yeah, yeah. Better known as the guy from Wimbledon, okay? All right, the romantic lead in Wimbledon. He plays tennis, (laughs) okay? Let's give this man some respect, all right? Put some respect Um, on the name. And he plays the uh, crazed uh, figure who goes around trying to uh, murder a bunch of people. Silas. Uh, This music... Yes, Silas. Uh, Music is by Hans Zimmer and it is directed by Ron Howard. This is our third Ron Howard-directed Tom Hanks film after Apollo 13 and Splash. Um, So, on to just some fun facts about this. The shots of the Louvre uh, in this film are real uh, and a fake Mona Lisa was made for the film as the Mm. original couldn't be exposed to the harsh film set lighting. Uh, Westminster Abbey and St. Sulpice, which are two um, Catholic church uh, locations in the film, denied access to the film. Obviously, yeah. because of the uh, quite what I'll get on to. Uh, Catholics didn't really like this film or this book very much. What? Um, what, what? I, I can't imagine why. Um, uh, but, you know, you would have thought that actually uh, this would probably have been considered good press, considering other things they've uh, they've got in hot water for. But anyway, um, sure. but uh, two, uh, I promise that will be the last time I mention that. <laughs> Um, but two Protestant churches uh, were like, hey, yeah, let's do this, guys. Uh, and so they act as the uh, the uh, church locations. Guys, I want you uh, to know that they... Jamie is starting a sectarian war. That's what he's doing right now. <laughs> he is actively Absolutely. calling upon the uh, Protestant people of England to rise up against their Catholic oppressors. 100%. Uh, so, yes, as I say, both the uh, film and the book uh, but received a lot of uh, historical criticism, mm. but also a lot of uh, criticism from the Catholic Church, because basically what it says is that the Catholic Church has been hiding this secret of um, of Jesus's uh, son or daughter, one of the two, Jesus having a kid uh, yeah, the whole child. time, and that they've been uh, keeping this and keeping the Holy Grail secret, etc., and uh, etc. It doesn't exactly paint the Catholic Church in a in a positive light. Whoa, whoa, whoa! whoa. Uh, so, sub specifically in the film. They make a right. They they do say. So here's, someone says. I think the the French police officer. She's like, oh, the Vatican knows about this. And someone goes, no, not the Vatican. Opus Dei. So they draw a weird yes, line between the Vatican Church and Opus Dei. Which sure, okay, we'll get into that. Um, yeah. Uh, it was banned in a bunch of countries. Um, it was banned in Egypt, Pakistan, Sri Lanka, many parts of India. Yeah. Uh, it was originally run for a little bit in China and then abruptly removed after protests. It was banned in the Faroe Islands, the Solomon Islands, and Samoa, uh, and other countries gave it extremely high ratings, like 18s uh, or whatever the highest um, uh, ratings it can have, and also put disclaimers at the beginning of the film to say that it is explicitly a work of fiction. Yeah. Um, speaking of, this is a work of fiction. Uh, th- there seems to be a large disparity between how the cast uh, and the filmmakers uh, of this film uh, treat the veracity yeah. of its subjects and the writer of the book, Dan Brown. Uh, so Tom Hanks himself has said that people shouldn't take the, the films at face value. He himself is a religious man and he feels like it doesn't get in the way of his faith yeah. um, because he thinks it's, it's you no. know, it's... it's yeah not real it's fiction it's whatever um and there's a couple of quotes i want to take from ian mckellen which i particularly liked um he said while i was reading the book i believed it entirely clever dan brown twisted my mind convincingly but when i put it down i thought 
What a load of potential codswallop. Yeah. Um, and then he, uh, when he was specifically asked about whether the film should have a disclaimer, like many Christian uh, activist groups wanted it to, uh, he said, I've often thought that the Bible should have a disclaimer in the front saying this is fiction. I mean, walking on water, it takes an act of faith. And I have faith in this movie. Not that it's true, not that it's factual, but it's a jolly good story. And I think audiences are clever enough and bright enough to separate out fact and fiction and discuss the thing when they've seen it. So... The filmmakers very much are trying to make it clear, and I think this comes across in the film, that, you know, this is just a fun interpretation sure, of things. The it's not, yeah, yeah it, like, it's not a depiction of reality. No. Dan Brown, however! Oh, man, Dan Brown's got some opinions <laughs> about Jesus, guys. He read a book once um, and now so, he has thoughts. Yes, so uh, the book itself opens with a title, uh, a page titled Fact, uh, and says that everything in the book is true. And he's backed this up multiple times in interviews where we've repeatedly claimed it was 100% true. For example, he was once asked, how much of this is based on reality in terms of things that actually occurred? And Dan Brown replied, and I quote, absolutely all of it. Obviously, Robert Langdon is fictional, but all of the art, architecture, Mm. secret rituals, secret societies, all of that is historical fact That's not true. right cool and we will come back to that to, uh, as we go through this film one, um, one second i need to, uh, I need to put on my ang- angry catholic hat do i have an angry catholic hat to yeah, put in somewhere? i don't know do you have an angry catholic hat okay you go have a look um but yes while al is off uh looking for an angry catholic hat essentially this is something we will uh discuss that does put uh, a bit of a dampener on um many of the things presented in this film uh, when taken in either the light of oh this is great fun whatever it's just a cool interpretation of the facts or when you read that Dan Brown thinks it's all fucking true um, so that is all my background knowledge uh, and I've, let's get I, into this film one second I found my angry Catholic hat okay it's a big C it, it, letting people know that I'm an angry Catholic I, I believe that is a Chicago Bears hat uh, I don't and the C that, is uh, just the logo oh, of the oh, Chicago no. Bears uh, first of all it is definitely the um it is the Cincinnati Reds, which is a weird logo for them. But it's the Cincinnati Reds okay. account, but it's green because it was the St. Patrick's Day <laughs> Cincinnati Reds hat. Uh, well, for now, that C stands for Catholic. Angry Catholic. Um, the disclaimer up top, uh, uh, as many people uh, may well know, Al was brought up Catholic. Uh, I was not. <laughs> um, so we're, we're going to have differing opinions on this film. Um, but let's get into here's, this. Here's my thing. I don't even know how much we're going to have differing opinions on this film, just because of how... Okay. So uh, the film yes. begins, so, as all um, good films does, and we mentioned this before in the Secret Lost episode, uh, which is, uh, of course, uh, Elvis has left the building, uh, in which, uh, um, of course, all the best films begin with a slideshow presentation. And this time, yep. it's not just PowerPoint. It is, in fact, uh, Robert Langdon, symbologist, uh, in front of an audience at his, uh, I think it's Harvard or maybe he's in Paris. He's already in Paris, and he's talking about yes, he's how already in Paris. Um, s- secret symbols in all art. Symbols. And the, the and yes, I womb and penis I immediately and... want to talk about this. I know we should. Yeah. We should say that this plot is confusing, and we will try our best to plow through it as best oh. we can. But I do. I will be stopping us at certain points sure. where dumb as shit shit happens, yeah. and that happens immediately. So uh, yeah, he's he's a symbologist, yeah. uh, is that a and job? he's got a bunch of things. Is that a job? No, it's absolutely because because I think I think what he is is not historian i think that's yes, it most i think he's just not a historian and they for but, some reason need a sexier name so they go for symbology. So they call him a symbologist um so he his idea of this speech is like oh the way we interpret symbols different people interpret different symbols in different ways the first one that they show is um a, a white robe with a white pointy hat sure. and he asks out to the audience oh who's who's this and 
I would like to say that actually I knew exactly what he was going to go for because uh, I'm span. I've lived in Spain, but you everyone say in the, Spanish. Uh, <laughs> yes, I was about to claim I was Spanish, which Ole. of course is not correct. <laughs> um, but no, so obviously everyone goes, "Oh, Ku Klux Klan, racism, uh, bigotry," mm-hmm. and then he goes, "Yes, well, of course that is one interpretation." But in Spain, uh, these um, costumes are used for as part of a uh, religious festival, which is absolutely true. There are some worryingly similar uh, costumes used in sure. uh, a religious um, uh, ceremony in Spain. That yeah. is very similar to the Ku Klux Klan. I've heard the I, second I, one though. Sure. Wait, the second one is the one that really pissed me off. He shows a trident and everyone goes, the devil, evil. And I'm sorry, this trident is so fucking clearly Poseidon's trident. Like, it's so fucking clearly Poseidon's trident. It's fucking gold. It's not red. It doesn't look evil at all. People know what Poseidon's trident is. This is not a good fucking argument. I was so angry. The second he showed it, I was like, oh, that's Poseidon's trident. Everyone starts going, evil. I'm like, no, it's not. Yeah. Um, So yeah, anyway. I feel most depictions of Satan in art don't have the trident. I feel the trident thing is more of a... Like this is this is almost definitely wrong. Also, more importantly, if this is set in France, why are people's which is close to Spain? In fact, borders on Spain. Border does border on Spain. Good, good on your. I know you've been out of Europe for oh three months, no, but yeah, of course. you've not forgotten which which countries are well, where. No, because here's my problem. Right, I know that Spain has sea to the north because of Barcelona, and I know that uh, of course sea sea to the south. France is sea to the south. Bar- so how does the board? No, is, it, is it a water border? Is there? Is it because you can walk no, between so the two? It, it, it's it's sort of on the like northeasternly side. So like it sort of has a little bit of a coast, and then it has a little bit of a border with France, and then gonna it breaks map. off into One the. Second. You're going to Google a map of Spain, okay? While no, you do Europe. that. <laughs> okay, while you do that, um, yeah. So we've got this. Uh, he's trying to prove that you know different symbols mean different things. Oh. He uses the classic. Um, Nazi swastika is also a Buddhist symbol. Stuff like that. Can where, I just say oh, symbols mean different things about that? Yeah, I was once at um, a fest. It wasn't even at a fest. I was at Love Box in London, and they Alyssa wanted to get a pair of sunglasses, so we went to one of the kind of like merch huts. It wasn't even merch huts; it was like a kind of um, second-hand shop kind of thing, which was like a pop-up thing. So we went there looking for a pair of glasses. I was looking around, and there's just this little, um, this little, uh, what should we call it? Like clutch bag. I was like, oh, this looks like a nice clutch bag, and I, what's that symbol on it? And I look at the symbol, and I'm like, that's a swastika, isn't it? And I kind of mm. realised that's a Jane, I, I think it's the Jane version of that, but I'm confused why they are selling this kind of a swastika item yes, at a festival a in London. Yeah, you know what, you can you can say all you want, oh yeah, it's actually a Buddhist symbol, because it's flipped around a different way. Cool, everyone's still going to think it's a swastika, so I'm probably not going to get it on my clothes. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Anyway, uh, so we, we are three seconds into this film jimmy we should, uh, we're symbologists we okay but the symbols are movies <laughs> and we're delving into the art and the hidden meaning in it so interspersed with uh robert langdon giving this speech we also have uh silas our first introduction of paul bettany oh, is silas yeah. uh who is an albino monk um yeah. and mm-hmm. he is murdering an old man in the louvre that's all that really matters yep. he murders an old man um uh, the old man seems pretty. Does he's running around the Louvre? He's he's trying to escape, and as we later find out, he's actually leaving clues mm-hmm. uh, to his granddaughter. That's why I would do um, if I was being pursued by a monk who's trying to kill me. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I'd run around. I wouldn't leave my clues in one place. I'd run around and leave them in multiple different places. That way, they'll know um, that it's a treasure hunt, just like the riddle I gave you, Jamie. Absolutely. I've I still have no fucking clue. Anyway, so old man gets murdered. 
Robert Langdon is called in because this old man happens to the man he was going to meet in Paris uh, because he worked for Louvre. Mm. He was going to discuss um, some sort of shit to do with art. This uh, art. This is when he meets Paul Reno, who sure. he plays the uh, French police officer. And he's saying he's being brought in because the man has been uh, posed out like Da Vinci's. Uh, what's the name of the Vitruvian, Vitruvian man? man. Uh, if you've ever seen it, it's like the the man with his arms out and the circle around him and like the pentagram sort of yeah, shit on him. It looks him. like a bird. But it's not a pentagram. Um, and he's brought in to discuss these uh, symbols. Now, firstly, what I want to say mm-hmm. is that Robert Langdon is a professor yeah. and a symbologist. And he is so, so fucking chill with a dead body. Oh, yeah. He just sees yeah. a dead body that has been mutilated with like blood all around it. Fucking pentagrams cut into it. And he does not bat a fucking eyelid. It's ridiculous. Re- Ridiculous. Literally, we are, this is our first meeting of this man. We have no indication that he's like any sort of battle-hardened soldier. Well, and he is so fucking chill I, around this dead body. Here's my thing, right? I can't remember if this is different in the book. What I do remember in the book is that, like, at very least, in Angels and Demons, he sees a whole load of dead people. And I think they're more terribly mutilated as well. So, like, that kind of would set up why he would be more less phased by it. Does the film care about yeah. that? No, the film does not care about that. No, because the, in the film's chronology, this is the first fucking film. So it's ridiculous. Anyway, um, he finds a uh, secret message by using a blacklight. Um, we'll, we'll see a lot of blacklights in this film. Um, and not a single drop of cum. It's ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> um, yes, Jamie, uh, and they that's see what you do when you go to the Louvre, of course, is you just have a wank in front of the Mona Lisa. Oh, have you seen the Mona Lisa, baby? Ooh! Holy shit! Um, anyway, so he sees an out-of-order Fibonacci sequence, uh-huh. uh, and at this point, uh, Audrey Tortu turns up, who's a, a cryptographer uh, and works for the police, and also happens to be the dead man's granddaughter. Sure. Uh, she tells uh, Robert Langdon to check his uh, phone messages, and she's given a message saying, Look, don't fucking say anything, don't react to this, meet me in the fucking toilet, you're in grave danger. Oh, dear. Meets him in the toilet, mm. tells him, actually, they've rubbed out a message that said, They've rubbed PS, out a message. Fine. <laughs> they rubbed out a message in front of the Mona Lisa. Oh, come on. Yeah. Um, they rubbed out one of the messages before he arrived, which said, P.S. find Robert Langdon. Mm-hmm. And, oh, it actually turns out P.S. didn't mean postscript. It meant uh, Princess, Princess, Sophie. Princess Sophie, which is what uh, the grandfather would call his granddaughter. Français. So it's actually oh, a message to her. Yeah. Um, but the p- French police now believe, because the uh, dead man has written, P.S. find... Um, uh, find Robert Langdon uh, on the floor that Robert Langdon is the killer. Now, they don't, so, do the police have any other evidence linking him to the murder? No, not at all. Okay. Literally just P.S. Robert Langdon written on the floor. Okay. And she's like, they're like, cool, he definitely did it. Um, sure. It's at this point that they uh, reveal, that she reveals that they've put a tracker on him. They've sure. put it in his uh, pocket. Uh, I would like to zoom in on this moment and say that's the dumbest fucking thing ever. Like... Like, what is their plan? What if he takes the jacket off? Is that true? <laughs> like, yeah, like... that's true. But again, is this legal? Is it, I, I don't know much about French law, oh, Jamie. Of course, all. along with so being Spanish and English, you're also French. So do you know the intricacies of French law? Are you allowed just to track people? Oh, yes. Oh, way? absolutely. There, there is a very specific uh, uh, l'esprit d'escalier law, uh, which means uh, you can just fucking... Chuck, chuck tracking devices on whoever the fuck you want. Yeah. It's great. L'esprit d'escalier does not mean that. It means the spirit of the staircase. It is a reference to a French saying, which means when you think of the great comeback just as you've left. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the... it's one of my favourite French phrases. Yeah. Um, cool. So um, she tells him they yeet the fucking um, uh, tracker Tracking. out the window and land it on a truck. The police, checking that, go... Oh, shit, he must have escaped. And what do you do when you uh, think someone's escaped and have no actual full evidence of that? You leave 
everyone. You take absolutely everyone yeah. and leave Weber's the last location you saw him. But it's fine. There's leave one a... fucking dumbass idiot behind. Yeah, well, here's my thing, right? There's still a corpse here. <laughs> like, they just still, yeah, have still called a in a team to, like, I don't know, pack up the body if they think they found the murderer that quickly. Nope, but they leave They leave one man behind. Sure. Uh, and so in a cat and mouse uh, sequence where Tom Hanks and uh, Audrey Tortu are walking around talking in full volume, literally not even trying yeah. to hide, uh, go around and piece together um, uh, little bits of clues left behind by the old man. Um, uh, Jamie, you're forgetting, they, you're forgetting here, of course. I've uh, they, they go, they revisit the kind of words with using the black light. Robert Langdon, he mentions, has a uh, eidetic memory, so he's kind of in his head. He's kind of seeing the letters, and he's like, A, B, C. And he can see, you know, the first letters of each word, and he's kind of rearranging them. And uh, in the weeds, it's the dumbest, dumbest convention in films. I think they do this in the National Treasure movies as well, but at least then it's yeah. just like... I don't know, at least then it's National Treasure movies and I enjoy those films and I don't enjoy this film, therefore I think this is really stupid. But yes, he kind of is looking around, he's seeing pieces of art floating in the air. It's weird. It's weird. That's a super Yeah, and, and so all the clues are through uh, Da Vinci's work. All the clues were around there. Uh, and they sure. find, he, Langdon figures out that Sonia was the... Uh, Sonia, who's the old grandfather, mm-hmm. was the grandmaster of the Priory of Sion. Alexander, are oh, you able to give at any any sort of clear distinction of mm. what the Priory of Sion is sure. for our dear listeners. Now, I'm, there's two... Okay, we're going to explain this in two ways. One is the way the film no, wants to no, explain no, it. Just, yeah, I was sure. just saying, let, let's just go for the film sure. and we'll, we'll get on to the historical inaccuracies of this film okay. at the end. Okay, okay, sure. Have you ever played an Assassin's Creed game? Great. Do you know the Templars? Great. It's just a name for the Templars. They are, they are in this film explicitly just meant to be Templars. They call them the Priory of Sion for God knows what reason. They're Templars. Um, yeah, and so they are essentially the people who, as we will later find out, have been the protectors mm. of Christ's secret yeah. and the Holy Grail. Um, we cut back to Silas. We work out that he's uh, been working for someone called The Teacher, yep. uh, along with uh, members of the aforementioned Opus Dei. Which translates to um, Work of God. Opus Dei is a, uh, like, uh, cult's the wrong word I'm not looking for. Um, it is like a, imagine like a subdivision or a sect. There we go. It's a sect of, uh, like, the Catholic Church, which believes in, like, following the the written word of the Bible as a livable, everyday thing you can do. Yep. Uh, and so next, uh, they, they, yeah, again, they just fucking walk out the Louvre because they, this one fucking guy was left behind. Um, the clue they figure they, out is the like, pl- oh God, I can't even remember. They, they go through a bunch of clues. They basically figure out they need to find the bloodline, I think. Yeah, they like end that. up going. They end up going to uh, a bank in Zurich. Yeah, oh, they get to a get, key uh, to get. To, they get a key to his safe deposit box. That's what they get. I can't remember how they, they get, get the key, key, but they get a key. They get a key. I think it doesn't. It just like fall from behind one of the paintings. Oh, something. Then like they that. just pull something out one of the stupid. paintings and it falls. It's some dumb shit like that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they get into using the sequence of numbers that was written on the floor. Oh, it's the Fibonacci they get sequence. Into, of course, it's the Fibonacci sequence. Uh, they uh get into his safe deposit box in a bank and inside they find a cryptex. For Ooh. people who don't know what a cryptex is, the film explains it. It's a thing that has a password on the outside, mm-hmm. um, which is a series of letters. It's like a, a twisty, turny, like a Rubik's Cube sort of thing. Sure, or like on it. it. Or like Bop It, where uh, you have to input the password into the cryptex to get inside. But if you try to break the uh, open the cryptex, then inside is something that contains like 
vinegar or something yeah. that will smash and then dissolve the message uh, which is written on the paper inside. And Jamie, importantly, so, it was designed by Leonardo da Vinci. All right, okay, this was this was this da Vinci's design. All right, as we all know. Yes. Uh, then the police arrive at the bank, and the owner of the bank uh, tries to get them, uh, tries to help them out, uh, because uh, Saunier, the old man, uh, was one of his most important customers. Yeah. So he gets them out in a big armored van. He uh, talks his way past the police officer, just saying, "Oh, hey, don't worry. I can't. I can't even open it. The keys are at the other side. Oh, I can't do anything." Mm-hmm. And then the police officer's like, "Oh, do normal truck drivers just wear fucking Rolexes?" And he goes, "Oh, it's fine. It's uh, thirty dollars from from a from a flea market." do you want it oh i'll do it for 20 dollars, and that disarms the police officer because uh, all the police officers in this are dumb as fuck um oh, yeah. and then they drive off um in trying to drive off they again get to another place and the guy who owns the bank uh tries to steal the cryptex basically i don't think it's, um, i don't think it's the guy his thing i don't think it's the guy who owns the bank i think the driver was a different person no, I'm almost certain it's the... Either way, some dude, he never comes up again, so it's sure. not hugely important. Some dude from the bank tries to uh, steal the cryptex from them and murder them, but Robert Langdon is very intelligent. He rolls yes, right. a right. he rolls a bullet into the uh, yeah. door. He rolls a bullet he, he into the like, like, he, he crevice of the door. into the groove where the, where the um, door, door would normally lock. close. And so it can't so close. When, yeah, so when he tries to close the door, it doesn't close. Uh, Tom Hanks bashes uh, open the door, knocks him out, um, and then they steal the uh, the van and drive away. This is when we meet um, uh, what's it? Fucking Ian McKellen. Ian McKellen. This is. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And by the way, we are like an hour into the film at this point. Oh, yes. I, I've, we normally obviously talk about the length of films a lot. This is a two and a half hour movie. Oh, there is God. a director's cut that's three hours. Why? It's ridiculous. Why? Why? Um, we are already an hour into this film. Sure. As you can tell, not much has fucking happened. No. And also, here's um, the thing. Despite us going in granular detail, there are bits we've missed out. Why? Because the oh, film yeah. is so bloody confusing. And oh, there's so many so different little, like, oh, yeah. Silas I, goes I'm over here and murders so fucking someone else. And like, oh, God's sake. Oh, yeah. Silas has been going around and murdering a nun and a bunch of different people who are members of the Priory of Sion. That's the main thing. The teacher sure. has been telling him. Uh, to and we don't know who the teacher is, but what? someone has been ordering him. Oh, and also Silas thinks he's Christ. By the way, forgot to mention that oh, the first time we see him, he like, well, no, because he like lashes himself and he ties himself no, up. No, like no, that's, Christ, that's doesn't he? that's not a he thinks he's Jesus thing. That's just he's he's preemptive. This sorry, ah, having read the book, I'm useful. Um, it's <laughs> so in the Catholic Church, uh, you can confess. And you pay penance. You do penance for your sins, right? So you after after you sin, you go to the church and you say, "Hey, I, you know, I wanked thinking about uh, Margaret Thatcher the other day." And the priest will go, "Cool, do the Hail Mary thirty times." Why was that the first example you came up with, Alexander? Why was that the first example you came up with? Margaret Thatcher was hot while young. All right, is that problem? Is that problem? (laughs) Anyway, um, hi Nan, please may you not be listening to this. Um, So anyway, basically this happens. That's all fine, but um. Some people, some forms of penance can be physical penance. This is a form of self-flagellation. Uh, it was common in like 1600s and some some people, not very many people, very, very few people might do it today. But it's a form of penance for your sins. So what he is pre- doing is preemptively punishing himself for sins that he's going to commit. So because he's going to murder cool. people, he has to really punish himself because that's a really bad sin. But he's forgiven for it because he's Catholic. Cool. Uh, that sounds super healthy. Um, anyway, yeah, yeah. Jamie, so, that's what that specifically is what I and all the other Catholics you know do is we just go around with braces on, which 
flagellate ourselves uh, so we can go out and go to the club. Fantastic. So we meet Ian McCullen and this is where the film goes off a fucking cliff. Yeah. So yeah, we get yeah. about a 20 to 30 oh, minute 30 explanation 30 of minutes. the key, the key like mystery of this film. Sure. You thought it was a prior sign? You fools, you fools. You know what the no. mystery is? So Jesus. Vaginas. That's that's oh. what the real mystery is, Alexander. So what we learn is that the holy, we learn about uh, images and that uh, a cone pointing upwards was often a penis and that a cone pointing downwards was often a vagina or a chalice and you know what, what else the holy grail the, ho- <laughs> the holy grail is not a physical cup it's actually the vagina of mary magdalene oh, oh what dear. who's mary magdalene you ask uh jesus's wife where is what? she in the fucking Last Supper, apparently. How can you tell? Because there's a V like a vagina between Jesus and sorry, the person sorry. to the right of Jesus. I know this is not what you intend, but when you say V like vagina, it's as though it was specifically drawn to look like the first letter of vagina, uh, which yes, is very funny. absolutely. And also, V for vagina is my favourite sequel to V for Vendetta. It is, it is in fact, um, the, the very feminist sequel to V for Vendetta. Um, yes, so um, apparently the big secret yeah. is that Mary Magdalene was not a prostitute. She was actually Jesus's wife. Yeah. And apparently there's a whole bunch of references to this in a whole bunch of different texts. Yeah. And they actually had a kid. Um, sure. And a- had a kid when Jesus was... Like, she was pregnant when Jesus was dying. Sure. There's, like, a whole um, bunch of stuff and- here about, like... Yeah, like I don't know the the first like like the Bible being put together under like Constantine and like how was this done and like before then Jesus was man but after then Jesus was like God. This is yes, okay, that's and, not true, and but so sure, like, like sure, this, this is not yeah, what happened there. But there, there's some people that believe that Jesus was a real person, and some people that believe he was divine. And the Catholic Church has been pushing down yeah, half secrets, those uh, people. No, and, 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 this information. Um, so yeah, basically the Priory of Sion uh, was created to protect this secret, protect yeah. oh. the Holy Grail, yeah. uh, again, Mary Magdalene's vagina, um, and protect the secret of uh, Jesus's descendants and also protect the descendants themselves, that, yeah. that there are still descendants of Jesus. Um, we will get on to that later. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that the Opus Dei have been trying to destroy the Grail uh, to like preserve the Catholicism What's, was this Opus Dei would kill the ancestor of Christ what so oh. Oh, they, they're bad um, oh man it is at this point that uh, Silas the, uh, the the creepy albino man uh, he's not creepy because he's albino he no. just happens to be albino we and creepy um, uh, no he, he breaks into the house doesn't oh, he oh he does but I, I think somewhere well, around here we've flashback. had a flashback about like his mum was abused by his dad he killed his dad there was a priest somewhere oh, from yeah. Opus Dei who, like, we, th- there is a, this side plot about Opus Dei where we see this uh, bishop guy trying to get some money because they're trying to kill Jesus's ancestor, or not necessarily yeah. kill, not necessarily kill Jesus's ancestor. To be fair, I think he says like, just we just want to get rid of information that they are of Jesus's ancestor, so we don't have to kill them, which sounds nicer, yeah. but sure. Um, so yeah, he breaks into the house uh, and uh, fucking Ian McCullum thwacks him with one of his um, walking sticks or his crutches or whatever, um, and then they escape to London. Oh, the police, the police are coming. As well. uh, the, they, the police. Are... Yeah, the police. The police are about to break in. Uh, they in uh, instead uh, don't capture him. They yeah. get away on a plane. But the police figure out that they've taken a plane. They figure out where they're going, and the police are there to capture them on the other side in London. Uh, I would like to say we blew through that 20 to 30 minute scene. The insanity of that scene is yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. It is. I, and and um, 
uh, Ellen sort of noted on this. And I think this is probably where this idea came from. It is that that idea of like, oh, fucking how many tracks are there on Justin Bieber's album? 23, uh, 21. What's two plus one? Three. How many points on a triangle? Three. Illuminati confirmed. Like it's that level of just jumping jumping to conclusions admittedly it does use real life paintings that we have a tangible knowledge of and that people have a passing knowledge of you know the story of christ and whatever so there are real life things to touch on it it does even things like things in the like the last supper is a painting which is very complex right like like i'm sure there are elements of the criticism of that or looking at the kind of the symbols within the painting, which are true, but they then take it to like illogical extremes on like every single aspect of it. So that's kind of crazy. It's all yeah, very very uh, nuts. They they escape on a plane to London. It is uh, Ian McKellen, Tom Hanks, Audrey Tautou, um, and the Butler of Ian McKellen, who we haven't really met before, but yeah. apparently he's there, uh, and he will suddenly turn out to be interesting. Oh, we um, also um uh, on the plane they uh oh God, there was a bloody clue about. Um, something being sub rosa, which in Latin is just means in secret, uh, because meeting rooms will sometimes have a rosa on over the top. So when it was sub rosa, it this you know what's happened in the room would stay in the room kind of thing, right? But on the box which hold the cryptex, there was a rose, and they pushed the rose out, and on the back of the rose is another clue mentioning a Christ. You know, my solution is where like a pope was buried by a bishop or something. You know, or, yeah, whatever. You know, bu- a, all the a, bullshit clues that are in there. Sure. Um, um, they then realize... they land in London. The police, the police are there, yeah. uh, but they escape out the back of the plane. While Ian McKellen comes out the front of the plane, yeah. they've actually snuck out the back. We don't learn this until afterwards, uh, which is going to be a key thing about someone getting away with something or someone figuring out how to solve something, uh, but us not learning about it until after it fucking happens, which is a really dumb way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but so Ian McKellen chats up the police, and then they go on the plane, and then oh, Tom Hanks isn't there. And then we get a flashback as they're driving away um, of how when the plane was landing, they were spinning it around. And so Tom Hanks and um, and Audrey Tortu ran out the back of the plane while the front of the plane was spinning around so that the police wouldn't notice them. It's real dumb. Um, anyway, they, they uh, go... I think they... Uh, they go They solved the red or whatever. They go to Westminster Abbey, right? They they uh, go to oh, the wrong no, place before, first. No, first, first, they, first of all, they go to Temple Church. And it's yes. not there because they realise there aren't and any that, tombs there. They're just... And that is when the thing I mentioned to you before this podcast that I just remembered happens. Okay. So um, this is when uh, this is when uh, we have Silas uh, somehow catches up with them. But uh, they get betra- this is when they get betrayed, basically, by um, the butler. The butler pulls his gun on them in Temple Church. Yeah. Um, and... As he's pulling their gun on them, saying like, oh, chuck me the um, the cryptex. As he pulls the gun on them, a bird <laughs> flies out of the roof of this church. And he looks up and then they run out the back door. That is, in all of the the like weird ways they solve fucking out. How are we going to get out of this one, Scoob? Yeah. It's the dumbest fucking one. A bird just distracts him. Uh, so they get away. Uh, and at this point... Remy, uh, who claims to be uh, who Remy, who is the um, butler, sure. uh, claims to be the teacher, the guy who's been uh, ordering Silas this whole time yeah. because Silas has caught up with them in Temple Church. Sure. Um, so, oh, yeah, there's, oh, there's, fuck, there's a weird Mexican. So basically, there's a weird Mexican standoff. 
Um, it ends with like Silas and the guy running off together. The guy's like, absolutely no problem. Here's what you got to do, mate. What you got to do is go to the... I'm going to take it from here. I'm the teacher. You have to go to the Opus Dei house in London. You're going to wait there and we'll give you orders next from there. Silas goes, that yeah. sounds great, mister. I like that idea. And the, the whatever. So the butler goes, great. He goes off. At this point, I think it's then like straight afterwards, the butler then goes to meet Ian McKellen, who turns out Ian McKellen is the teacher. Was the teacher the whole time. And Ian McKellen what? shoots, kills him. Oh, he has like a swing. I think, he, po- I think he poisons him. Sure. Yeah, he poisons his own butler. Takes the, uh, and, uh, then sends the, and then sends the police to go get Silas to, to like hide any evidence or whatever. So oh, yeah, he sends the to, police saying, oh, I know where your two murders are. They're in this house, which sure. is the Opus Dei so that uh, happens, safe house. That's kind of weird. Um, at this point, they're on the bus. Uh, French girl flirts oh. with the guy on the bus. Nicks his phone so they can uh, Google yes, uh, Pope. And the, yes, the most unrealistic thing happens in this movie. So they need to find their way to a library. They're in, in London. London. Yeah, central, central they're, London. They're, they're in central London and they need to find a library. And he gets on a bus and says, it's 30 minutes to a library. To Chelsea Library. Anyone who has ever lived in London know this is absolute bus. 30 minute travel on bus. That is never the most efficient way to get anywhere. And secondly, they must definitely have a library closer than fucking exactly. 30 minutes Central away on a bus. So many goddamn libraries. And Okay, the only thing I could potentially forgive this film is if it was like they had said specifically the info we need is in Chelsea Library. But they're not. They're like, we need to go to a library. They are in Temple and they need to go to Chelsea. <laughs> Which is like, okay, sure. You could get any other form of transportation to be better for like the tube, for instance. I don't know. You could walk you could probably walk to a library in like ten minutes, give or take from yes. like somewhere in Um temple. But yeah, so she she seduces someone on this bus, uh, who uh they're trying to search like on some primitive intranet and he's trying to search a pope or something like that. And he goes, Oh, see, you know, it's a problem is uh you're all getting things to do with uh, Alexander Pope because you're getting results from A dot Pope. And then Robert Langdon goes, A Pope? What? A, a Pope? I I never I never realised that it's not A Pope. The symbols. It's Alexander Pope. The um, symbols. And it's, something, it's something to do with Isaac Newton, yeah. basically, uh, and his friend Alexander Pope. Who fucking cares? It's all a load of bollocks. Oh, they of go course, to Westminster I, Abbey to find Isaac Newton was, the tomb was of Isaac the Newton. Of Zion, guys. He totally was. We're going to get on yes, to this. Yes, of course. Everyone knows that. So they go to the uh, Westminster Abbey where uh, Isaac Newton is buried. And this is where Ian McCallum uh, con, uh, con, 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 confronts. That's what I was looking for. Confronts them again. Um, saying... He pulls a, he's managed to get a gun into Westminster Abbey, which is fucking ridiculous. Um, does Westminster but he pulls have, a gun on him. Does Does Westminster Abbey have metal detectors? I've I've I not been it, in Westminster Abbey, but I've got to imagine it's got some level of security. I don't think so, because even even stuff like because um, I remember going to St Patrick's Cathedral in New York when I was like ten in two thousand five, and they did have metal detectors. <laughs> and you took your gun in there. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, what the no hell? Problem. This isn't legal. I'm like, I thought this was America, yeah. my friend. Um, anyway, it's a small point. Um, but yeah, he gets a gun in there and he pulls it on them. Um, and he's like, solve the fucking cryptex. Solved it. Solve it. Um, and and Tom Hanks turns around in another example of uh, the really dumb way in which this film uh, shows solving of clues. Uh, he turns around. He, he He's seeing all the pictures and he's, he's seeing things in his mind. Um, and then... Uh, he says, sorry, couldn't solve it, throws the cryptex up in the air. 
uh, and then it smashes on the ground and Ian McKellen, uh, very, very nimbly for the old man that he is, tries to dive to save it, but misses and goes, no, you've ruined it. You've broken it. You're the, the, the vinegar, it's all ruined, blah, 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 blah. Ah. Um, and then the police come in. Oh, the police have figured out that Robert Langdon didn't do it. They oh, figured it out because they, they went to arrest. The they, yeah, and yes, they murdered Silas. The, they shot Silas. They also shot a bishop in the Catholic Church, which, yes, again, they, yes. let's be real, that's a massive international incident. If he's like from the Vatican, this is a serious problem here, guys. Yes. Um, it's also revealed at some point. So we haven't really talked about him much, but he's fairly relevant to the plot, as is clear even sure. though he is in this film a fuckload the head of the police is actually a member of opus day yeah um and is trying to like it is there to help protect stuff yeah so he figures out that robert langdon didn't do it sure. because he speaks to the bishop that he shot sure. and um he was like oh shit that was never actually no. true was it and the bishop goes oh just got to protect the secrets yeah. and oh, so the, the police have figured it out yeah. um, um also uh, uh, I, I looked up an article which debunks the uh da vinci code and uh this is by the i think the person in charge of westminster abbey uh, back in 2005, uh, the Westminster Abbey did not have metal detectors, so you could probably sneak ah. a gun inside. <laughs> fun. Isn't that fun? Fun facts for um, anyone who wants to don't do anything. Please don't. That, that, yeah. But yes, so uh, the police arrive uh, to arrest um, Ian McKellen. Um, as Ian McKellen mm. is being dragged away, he's laughing, going, Ha-ha, you solved it, didn't you? <laughs> hey, you solved it. How's <laughs> my, my Ian McKellen? I played Gandalf once and now I'm here <laughs> being a crazy man in a cab. Um, and so, again, in the dumb way in which this film mm-hmm. does solving ribbles, and, yeah. and I, I will come back to this, it's a very American way of doing it, Um it's figured out that, oh, Tom Hanks actually solved it. He just figured it out. And the code was Apple. Because in this one painting, there was every orb ever known to existence except for the apple. And the apple is how Isaac Newton figured out gravity. So that was the fucking code. Oh, dip. Oh, blah, 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 Except no one, you weren't ever given the opportunity to figure that out. So it doesn't feel that clever. Nope. Uh, I will get back to that. It fucking pisses me off. Anyway, um, so it's inside the crypt. They've opened the crypt text and it says that the grail is hiding Neath the rose. Uh, and so they head to Rosalind Chapel in Scotland. Uh, we are coming to near the end of the film. Thank yeah. fucking God we've managed to vaguely well, you think get so? through There's this still about sort of a good half an hour left in this film. Oh, yeah. There's still half an hour left in this film, but we are coming up to... There's only like two things left. Sure. So they're in Rosalind Chapel. They find... Um, uh, they're there to find uh, Mary Magdalene's tomb. Uh, but... Uh, they're going down the back routes uh, and then some guy comes by and goes, hey, we're about to close. And instead of them going, mm, we're not going to arouse suspicion. Mm-hmm. We'll just come back tomorrow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tom Hanks just drops a, like, a coin in the donation box and goes, we'll just be a minute. Like a dick. As if that like won't fucking, dick. like, like firstly, like a dick. And secondly, like, that won't fucking arouse suspicion. Yeah. Um, so they go down into underground and they find that uh, the tomb has been removed but there are a buttload of documents there and in those documents he finds out that uh sophie's family Mm. actually died in a car crash and that the man the grandfather was not actually her grandfather but the member of the prior of sion that was decided to look after her because she is the last descendant of jesus christ now i want to talk about this in the world of this fucking film there is one descendant, uh, one descendant of, one her, descendant her, of Jesus Christ. No, I think her brother's no, alive so too. No, so in the, in the book, in the book, her brother is alive. In the film, 
she uh, he isn't in the film in the film very explicitly her brother has died in the crash she is well, the last living descendant um, of because uh, I, I thought the other it, guy Rosalind was her brother but that would which I no. think is the thing in the book so I'm, I'm no I'm not that's gonna, the I'm thing in the book lie. I've I've yeah yeah I I I, 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 lo- I looked and, this up. I looked this up specifically, yeah. In the book, there are two living descendants. In this, there is just one living descendant. Oh, it is Sophie. God's sake. And again, in, in in the world of... Even if there were two fucking living descendants, like, Jesus was like two fucking thousand years ago. What does his fucking family tree look like? A bamboo shoot? No, yeah, yeah, this yeah. is ridiculous. I, 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 I like, understand how would there be one? This, right? But assuming someone has one... Like, A, this is all assuming that these people only ever have one child, which... It's weird enough anyway. Alexander, I'm I'm just gonna gonna give you a little tip. You have this magical thing. It's called a microphone. Oh yeah. If you talk into it, yeah. yeah, yeah, Sorry. I know. I was getting a piece of paper. I was getting a piece of paper. Okay. Why are you getting a piece of paper? This is not official medium. Let's say on the first level you have one kid. We know Jesus, Mary Magdalene had one child. Okay. Weird. Let's say that child has two kids because hey, I don't know. It's zero BC and people try to have a lot of children. They at least have two. If each of those two kids has two kids, we'd have to assume that, like, it gets crazy. It's one of those things where, like, in Europe, your odds are related to Charlemagne because that's just the fact that, like, if you go back six generations, everyone is related to, like, everyone else. It's the fact that every human on Earth can trace their ancestry back to, like, one of six people originally. Like, they ha- they can... Tr- yeah. People have traced that back. But, like... It's, it's fucking ridiculous. The... 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 the, the idea that there could be one living descendant of someone who lived rather than two thousand which again just, would just even as an ending i think it would be a better ending if it was like well opus day can't win because the fact is by this point in time there are going to be like everyone is related to or some, some stupid yes. thing like that so what we do get is that uh all the members of uh the prior of Sion so come and come and meet them at the church yeah. wouldn't have been so much fucking better if all those people were like we're all the family of Christ. You too are the son <laughs> of Jesus. Um, but yeah, yeah so yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Member, several members of the Pirate of Sion uh, come and meet her, and uh, including uh, like her grandparents are there and say, don't worry, we'll look after you. Yeah. They part ways, sure. uh, Tom Hanks and, and, uh, and what's her face. And then we get uh, one of my least favorite tropes in all of anything. No, you missed out oh. the fact that her grandma was still alive. I said that. Listen to me. I do listen to you, but I was making out this little family tree. See, there's a little family tree and I was working it. Okay. One of them's called Grandma. Um, uh, so yeah, Grandma's still alive um, and they're going to be the person to look after him. Uh, look after her. Mm-hmm. Then the final bit of this film is again, my, one of my least favourite film tropes, which is completely unrelated thing happens and that makes main character solve mystery so he is shaving and then yeah. he sees blood. a line of blood oh god and that makes him think about the idea of bloodline um and oh, oh no early I, in the it film... sent him to a rose line yeah so earlier in the film it mentions that like the first like the, the first date line was taken like th- in france and it goes through france and was based i think upon the location of jerusalem or something weird like that and it's called it's called like the rose line right the rose line it's kind of kind of like the meridian uh yeah. but it's it's a different one um and it runs through paris uh and so he finally re- figured out that neath the rose wasn't Rosalind chapel it was neath the rose line oh, and so he follows the line to the louvre he ends up uh yeah. at the uh upside down pyramid of the louvre which they've noted on which, before which looks like Mem- uh, it looks like a vagina no, 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 no. the up one <laughs> the top pyramid looks like a penis looks like a penis it is underneath a it looks like 
Uh, and so uh, the Holy Grail, i.e. the uh, Tomb of Mary Magdalene, is below uh, the Upside Down Pyramid at the Louvre. Yeah. And so Tom Hanks kneels and prays there like the old Templars would have. And that's the end of the film. Now, firstly, if you vaguely understood that, that shows how fucking great we are. Because I'm shocked we managed to get through that, uh, explaining it relatively Uh uh, okay. Uh So let's talk about this fucking film. Firstly, this film is so fucking long. It's two and a half hours. It makes me angry. Um, We've discussed this before. Like, long films really need to justify themselves. We both love a solid 90-minute movie. Uh, this movie easily could be a two-hour movie instead of a two-and-a-half-hour movie. Yeah. How in God's name there is a three-hour movie of this? I, so actually, recently I've been watching a lot of films, obviously, because we're staying indoors, and uh, I've come up with a perfect calculation of how long a movie should be, right? And that's when you pause it to see however long is left, the correct answer should always be half an hour. If it's any more than half an hour left whenever you pause it to see how long left, it's too long. Because by the time you pause that's, it, that's, you've already you're, you're like, okay, I want this to wrap up. Uh, so that yeah. was my calculation. <laughs> pause time plus that's, 30. That's pretty decent. What happens if you... So if you don't pause it, does that mean it could have been 30 minutes longer? Uh, if you don't perfectly pause it, I think it's probably just a perfect movie. Like, it's, it's perfectly paced, <laughs> so you never feel bored. Your, your, your level of a perfect movie is just you don't pause it once. Yeah. That's, that is an indictment on our attention spans. Um, anyway, so yeah, firstly, this movie is too fucking long. Secondly, yeah. this movie is kind of <clears throat> dumb. It's so dumb. Like, it's so dumb obviously like both the the book and the book the book obviously the, the film is based on all the book stuff and the book has been debunked a million times sure but i can understand why so firstly i think the the movie does something better than the book which is it does present it as oh isn't this just kind of a fun interpretation of things sure and i kind of accept that but when you learn that dan brow thinks it's all true yeah, yeah. suddenly that all just makes it's, you angry here's my thing I've read of the Dan Brown books. I've read Angels and Demons, Da Vinci Code. Oof, I think it's the last, the last, the last key, the last key. What's the third? I think the last key, and then I've read a bit of Inferno. And Inferno was. I just wait to get Inferno. Oh God, Inferno is so bloody not but nonsense. Anyway, um, and like they are entirely fun quick reads you can read them in less like less than a day it's a six hour read on a beach and you will probably read it in like a six hour chunk because like you gotta go to the next page and the guy has very well set up how you write a book in a way that gets you to finish it really quickly and to his credit there's that i think it's um stephen fry who was like it, it's complete and utter bilge and to the point of like, oh yeah oh that's the, the thing the, like, the book the book was panned by anyone who is even mildly intelligent no I, I i yeah i think like stephen fry not stephen fry stephen king i think was just like this is this is a we shouldn't be published it's unpublished like it's it's crap not even on a religious level it's just crap it's not and it's yes, not where it's, one, it's, it's one, one of my favorite on. quotes i can't remember who it was but i think it was roger ebert in reviewing some other film uh says every now and then uh i make sure to read da vinci code to remind myself that they can spend my time so much better than reading shit like the da vinci code yeah i mean it's it's i think that's fair it's yeah the advantage of the movie i think uh, i think i agree is that the movie doesn't want the movie's whole thing is not that like this is true the movie wants to be like a subpar indiana jones film um yeah and and the the basing it in real life images and especially when you can use the film medium to show you those paintings show you those things mm. there's something kind of interesting like you can look at that and go oh look there is that weird like v between jesus and the person next to them 
that's kind of weird. I wonder what that could mean. Sure. Oh, they offer me a meeting for that. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Whatever. But my main big issue. So what I'll ask you is somebody who read the book. Obviously, from what I understand, like that idea of the apple being the code sure. uh, is one of the big mysteries in the book. Did you figure that out before they no. tell you? Okay. Well, what from what I've learned from, from doing my research is that you can figure it okay. out. Okay. Like, like the book at least presents itself in a way which allows it to lay, layer some clues throughout the book so that you can figure it out. This film does not let you no. figure anything out. And the biggest uh, uh, example I can give is of the difference between how Sherlock presents itself in like the first season and the last season. Uh, when... When these sorts of mystery things become more popified and often become more American, where Americans want to feel, want like, and this is such an overgeneralization, yeah. sorry, Americans, but like for an American market, there is this idea of a hero who is smarter than the audience. So they just figure things out. And sure. it's the stuff you said of like these images passing through his brain and oh, yeah, oh, yeah. look at all these images flying through and he just figures it out. That doesn't make for an intriguing mystery. We want to be able to think, oh, I could have figured I, that out. I, oh, I, I had the opportunity. Or even, oh, I figured that out just before him. I, Look at me being clever. I think it depends. So if we're comparing it to something like murder mysteries, then yes, definitely you want that. And I think that's why like Poirot is a very good like murder mystery character because like it, it's the way those books are written, it, they are written so that you could you should in theory be able to figure things out. Like, obviously, Poirot is smarter than everyone else, so no one else in the world is going to guess it. But, like, you as a reader, you have this omniscient view, and, like, once you go back afterwards the second time, the question is, when you go back the second time round, can you see where all the clues were? And that yeah. you can then put that all together, and that makes sense, right? I think because this is arguably less of a mystery novel and more of a, like, treasure hunt thing, so rather than it... Yeah. So it's it's a mystery, because it's like, what's the crypt? There's the, there is a central... There are lots of clues and riddles and stuff, blah, blah, blah. But yeah. really what it is is like where the question is like where is Mary Magdalene is the ultimate mystery of the like of the narrative is like where is the Holy yeah. Grail and there's definitely no way you could do that but like hey it's a treasure hunt thing and so like you're never gonna be able to figure out the last bit of the treasure hunt without all the clues that come in between so I, I don't inherently blame it for that I do just think all the stuff I, I agree with you like I don't think you'd be able to figure out any of the clues even just like once they said the clue Robert Langdon figures it out all so quickly that like you would never have any way and also I think the clues are all just like largely nonsense they are largely nonsensical so the clues themselves aren't really figure outable unless you're Robert Langdon because everything is always designed to be perfectly Robert Langdon to me um, yeah although I think that doesn't necessarily like is that, that the, the, the overarching structure is kind of different but it's it's something like because um, it's it's somewhere between like the wrong man type thing or like North by Northwest like Hitchcock like semi Hitchcocky and like, hey, he's on the run, but he didn't commit a crime. But for a crime he didn't commit, type structure, and they need to find you know find someone to find someone else, find someone else, find someone else, find someone else, so we can clear his name, type thing. So you know that that sort of works well for me. I would say on the American thing though, like the the National Treasure films, I love. Like I really love the National Treasure movies. I've not seen any of them to oh, be fair, so I I can't make any comment. If you want to watch a probably the best Indiana Jones rip off the first the first one is like a really fun time it's got sean uh sean bean yeah sean bean in it it's um nicholas cage giving a fairly normal nicholas Cage performance but in an enjoyable film nonetheless <laughs> and it's fun all the way through right like it's a rip-roaring adventure it doesn't pretend to be anything more than a rip-roaring adventure say. i imagine that the national treasure films don't take themselves hugely seriously no. 
No. And that's what that's what this does. This this t- like if Dan Brown like I would genuinely yeah. enjoy this whole thing so much more if Dan Brown just went yeah it's just kind of a fun thing like his insistence this is fact this is absolutely true there is no like fuck you my guy like even if you just said oh this is a like a lot of this is based on some research i did but you know it's it's just my interpretation it's it's, it's fiction just say it's fiction yeah i I think for me my issue is like two things obviously the one's the book and like the book is i think designed for is designed so you feel like really cultured and like again if you liked the book i'm not gonna knock you i'm just gonna knock dan brown but like if, no problem there, right? Like it's it's designed to like be filled with all these kind of cultural references and be set in full places in the world. You kind of all go around it, and it's an airport read, and you read it on the plane, and then you finish by the time you're done the plane, and you feel like, oh, I learned something, but you didn't really learn anything, but you feel like you learned something, and hey, that's great. <laughs> the issue with this is like it still has those elements of culture. I just don't think the film itself feels at all fun. Like I, I do, no, not at all. It There's takes itself about this quite film. seriously, way too seriously for this kind of film. It happens in very few locations. It's not really an action film. Like no one, there's no shootouts really, and there's you know the action's not very good in the bits there are. It's it wants to be like a kind of pondery miss thriller. Like it wants to be a thriller, I guess, but it's not really. Thr- it does. It never thrills. There's never any sense of like Robert Langdon might die. There's never any sense. You know, people die. No. But they're inconsequential members of the priesthood and the Priory Zion, and we don't really care about them before they're dead. I think I think that idea of an adventure is that that was one of the things I read about reviews of the book. Is like, yeah, no, it takes me to all these different locations. This film ostensibly goes to. Uh, it starts in Paris. Yeah. I think it goes to Italy. It goes to Germany. It goes to London. Does it go to Italy? And it goes to Scotland. I feel like maybe it doesn't go to Italy. No, I think it's just. Oh, uh, where, we might. Where, we maybe see the meet? priest. We maybe see a priest in Rome. Maybe we see a priest in Rome. And where do they meet? Where is... Um, France. South France. Uh, no, where, where is Ian McKellen? He's in France, they... I think. Is he in France as yeah. well? Okay. Well, either way, it does hop around at least uh, three countries, uh, including before it goes to Scotland as well. And it doesn't feel like... It doesn't feel like the film does. Like, I no. vaguely remember yeah. seeing the Louvre. There's one establishing shot of Westminster Abbey. Sure. We get on a London bus. But... There's nothing interesting, probably because they weren't really allowed to film in a lot of those locations yeah. that they wanted to film in because the Catholic Church didn't want them to. Like, it doesn't, there's, there's nothing beautiful about traveling around Europe in this film, which would, mm. like, make it a lot nicer, like, this this idea of them traveling. I don't get the sense of them traveling around Europe. I get the sense of them going yeah. between relatively similar churchy interior location sure. to relatively similar churchy interior location. I also think that, like, compared to something, I think they did this, I think the f- uh, the way I remember maybe the Angels and Demons does this a little bit better in the film, but definitely the books do. It's like, there's always meant to be this kind of, like, um, sexual tension between Robert Langdon and whatever young female he's working with, right? And that's kind of part of the fun, is, like, they're kind of flirty, they're kind of, they're both really intelligent, and it's, like, these two people sparking off, right? It creates for some interesting dialogue and interesting moments and blah, blah, blah. Sure. The film doesn't have, like, the central two characters, I don't think, have any chemistry, um... Now, even non, even platonically, like there's no real kind of back and forth. There's no urgency. It's just like, oh, we need to go because the French police are going to catch us. And it's like, well, if the French police catch you, then then what? Like you're innocent. They have the, you've not actually been set up for this. So, so yeah. really, why do I care? You spend a night in a French jail. You call your police. You get out, and they, you know, your lawyer goes, cool. Well, if you have no evidence, you can't convict my guy. Fuck off. And I just, it is such a boring long movie that Alyssa, yeah. who loves the books who unironically like really loves the Robert Langdon books and I fair enough thought this was a boring drudge of a film and I I think that's the best 
uh, the most damning indictment of it. Um, yeah, it, it it is just as you say, boring. And I think the again, I haven't read the books, but I think both the book and the film commit a cardinal sin of acting like it's way more intelligent than it is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, but yeah. both like like. Fine, have the... I don't even care if you want to have these dumb explanations, but don't present them as if they're the most mind-blowing thing in the world. No. That's that's where I'm just like, I just completely lose connection with sure. it. Sure. So, again, I... I, I this, this, never mind. We'll talk about that a bit later, but, like, there are films which do this thing better and more fun and more enjoyable for everyone. It's like, this is... And this is, like, absent of the whole religious stuff, which I may get onto in a second, but, like... Oh, good. Not, not for long, but, like... <laughs> absence of that like i do think as a fu- as a an adventure film where the mystery is like hey jesus you know big stakes there are big stakes here and it feels like there are tiny stakes and it doesn't really matter in who the girl gives a crap yeah so when we're so, reviewing uh, these for films, people who oh, yes we uh review them on three different categories and then we decide whether it goes in the hanks bank yeah. so we decide on this uh film out of five mm-hmm. tom hanks's performance out of five sure. and the tom hanks dick meter out of five how much of a dick is tom hanks's character in this film uh so uh, obviously I've, I've made my feelings clear i didn't enjoy this at all i think it is way too long for what it is like a fun rompy adventure is what it should be and a fun rompy adventure should be much shorter i think the direction and the cinematography is particularly uninspired for what is supposedly a Hans Zimmer score, I don't think I noted the oh, music really? ever. Oh no, yeah, no, definitely not. This is yeah, I, I didn't. Yeah, like I didn't, I didn't notice the music. Which for someone who's supposed to be so, that's not a, a criticism. Of Hans Zimmer, Hans Zimmer is fantastic, but clearly he was either not being utilized well, or he just kind of phoned this in. Uh, I think. Uh, well, I mean, well, I'll get onto that with Tom Hanks' performance, but uh, we could also say potentially that for him as well. Sure. Um, uh, so yeah, overall, I, I this is I struggle to give this more than a two. I just didn't enjoy it. I I think I'm pretty much I'm, I think very similar to you. Like feel free to chip in. I, I think my like so still with my Catholic hat family put on, and this this will be the only things <laughs> I say about this. So like, I've kept it to this one section. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Wait. 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 I'll, I'll take I'll take a breath. Yeah. <sighs> Go off, King. All right. Thank you. Look, <laughs> it's not that like I'm very much not a person who thinks that like hey you can't depict like christ or the christ story or anything like that in ways which are like make we'll make the catholic church sad that, like that's not something i'm like i i care about <laughs> the idea of making like, them sad sure like <laughs> whether you call it if you're calling it fiction sure but like if you're writing a novel about christ maybe like the bible itself or whatever it's it's fictional right like you don't there, there are not enough sources about it you can't really claim you're doing a biography of christ because hey the main source is the bible like sh- but sure that's fine whatever that's up there but the, what I dislike about this film is, and like again, the Dan Brown thing with it is just, and I think this is this was Stephen Fry's criticism of it. It's just like it takes a lot of stuff, like historical events, like again, like the the the, the Bible being put together, which which gospels were decided to be kept in the Bible, all that kind of stuff. And it says, hey, you know, in these are loads of people who thought that Jesus was just a man, whereas like that wasn't one of the things being put but literally like the fact was like that wasn't one of the things being up for grabs it was a bunch of people who thought he was god made man and a bunch of people who thought he wasn't even a man he was literally just a spirit disguised as a man those were the two extremes none of them was jesus was just a normal dude and all that kind of stuff and hey again if that's what you believe oh, my, i have no problem my, with that but if yeah, you're my ma- pal jesus yeah no yeah top lad yeah t- totally normal yeah uh, little sound, sound, oh, sound man, bloke. Yeah. and it's not it's not again if you are 
uh, atheist, if you're agnostic, if you don't, if you're any other religion, you don't believe in Jesus. Absolutely fine enough. I have no problem there with that. Like that's not my issue. My issue is like taking historical events, claiming those historical events were other events, so so, so making them up, which is fine. That's fiction. But then <laughs> claiming it's not fiction, and that that annoys me, right? Like the fact that there was a there's a time I think around this film coming out. So probably the years of 2008, a couple of years after. I read the book, seen the film, and um. I was being looked after by my second cousin, Uncle Ted, and my actual aunt, Auntie P. And uh, <laughs> wait, 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 wait! Sorry, you recognise that? That's confusing. I was being looked after by my second cousin, Uncle Ted. Yes. Well, no, it's in, in the same <laughs> way. Look, look. Lots of people call. Uh, there are there are many families in the UK who call just even like family friends. My dad, as a kid, would refer to family friends of ours as uncle and auntie something or other. Right? Okay. It's a lot more common in India than it is in the UK, but apparently my dad loves it. So here we go. So he was Uncle Ted, but um, an uncle. I was Chris. I can't remember where I was this weekend, but my auntie P was very Catholic. It was like was very religious. Ted is quite religious, but you know somewhere in between. And, you know, I was an edgy 12-year-old. And uh, I was being like, you know that uh, Jesus was a man and that he had a baby with Mary Magdalene, right? And later that evening, my uncle pulled me aside for a, like, 10-minute chat, which kind of defined my life. Where he's like, you know, you don't have to just, like, be edgy <laughs> to be cool. You know that, right? <laughs> you don't just have to just, like, saying controversial things doesn't, like, make you more interesting. It just makes you an arsehole. And I was like, oh, shit, this has changed my opinion on life. Um, so obviously this film holds a, uh, an interesting place in the development of Al Gillespie in terms of uh, someone calling him out when he was 12 and me being so sensitive that it affected my entire personality for the rest of my life. So uh, I would like you to first tell me what you think 12-year-old Al Gillespie pre sure. that conversation oh, would have given oh, this film. Uh, of course I would have given this a five, age of 12. I would have been Fantastic. like, look at the genius and- here, people. We're, put- we're seeing through the looking glass. Take that, the Catholic Church is trying to mind control you. Um... And what does much more mature twenty two three? I just how think fucking it's old you are, bo- old I, Al. Look, even even beyond all the my issues with it making stuff up about historical events, not even Christ, just the history of the church are historical events. Sure, like okay, fine, sure, whatever. My issue is it's just a boring film. Like, it's just an aggressively boring film, and all all the making stuff up. Like, I think Tom Hanks said right. Like, there's a quote where he's like. I just think it's it, look. It's all a bit of malarkey, but it's fun malarkey and it's rip roaring adventure, and I think that's fun. Yeah. My issue is it's all a bit of malarkey and it's not fun. It's not a rip roaring adventure and it's just dull. <laughs> so yeah, so, one. Uh, I think it's a one star film. One. Oof. Rough. Um, so moving on to Tom Hanks's performance, um, I think we will probably see this performance uh, dip. I think he is just so fine. He's fine. He's not bad. No. He's not good. He is fine. I, I think we are, uh, as we learned, uh, if, if anyone remembers our lovely mini-sode oh, yeah. uh, on uh, the tech conference that Tom Hanks gave, oh, uh, it was about the sequel to this film, yeah. which he clearly already like was pretty over having to do. And sure. that was the second film. And he has to do a third one. Hey, reminder, we have to watch two more of these. I'm oh, so fucking excited. Um, fortunately, I think both of them are a little bit shorter. But anyway, uh, so I think... Right from the beginning, he got signed on for this. Apparently, signed on for a three-film deal, which was real dumb of him. Well, uh, I think he's and... paid twenty-five million for this one film, so you know. So, what... Okay, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, he'd like he's clearly not that passionate no, about this. 
it's not his casting as we've discussed like he, he it's not quite an action film but he's having to fulfill an action knee role and he like I, I think this is the first time i've probably seen tom hanks run for about the past two decades yeah. um, of, of his um uh, of his filmography so yeah he he he's fine i'll give him a 2.5 i don't think he's particularly suited to the role i don't think he's particularly terrible in the role he's also not helped by the fact that the cinematography the writing everything about this is particularly yeah. uninspired no, I, I, I agree with that look I, th- I think for me like uh, obviously i can't give 0.5s because of an arbitrary rule i gave myself uh, at the beginning of this podcast uh, about about 60 episodes about 60 ago. episodes ago but hey we're sticking to it so hey that's fine um I, w- I would like to remind you that your reason for that was because you wanted the averages to be more clean mm-hmm. uh, and that your current average for Tom Hanks' performance is 3.22916666666 You do know you can round those up. We're gonna, I'm going to get on this thing and just set it to one decimal place rounding up. Um, nope. <laughs> you can, we could do that. It's fine. But um, look, my issue is less the running thing. You said they haven't seen Tom Hanks run in two decades. Uh, let me tell you, my friend, that a, a little movie called uh, Forrest Gump, in which he famously runs for a lot of the movie, <laughs> came out in 1994 so that was less than two decades before but sure whatever <laughs> but it's over one decade so yes um look it, it i i i don't think he's he i don't think he's necessarily miscast i just think the material's weak um i think the worst thing about it is his haircut in this film oh god we didn't even talk about it. he's got a like weird half mullet it's, it's fucking awful it's so Jesus. so bad it is such a just google tom hanks da vinci code hair it's it's garbage it's it's not a good haircut. Yeah. Uh, so on the basis of that, three. Three. Th- I think a three is strong. I guess it's only 0.5 higher than mine, but still. Uh, and the Tom Hanks dick meter. Um, I'm going to give him like a strong three for thinking he was intelligent by showing me clearly Poseidon's trident and trying to make people believe it was the fucking devil's driving. It's fucking dumb. It annoyed me. Genuinely, it was my least favourite part of this film. I was so angry about it. Um, so I'm going to give him a three out of five on the Tom Hanks dick meter. I mean, very classy, very classy. Uh, you know, I, I, look, I, I think the biggest dick thing he does in this movie is uh, when Ian McKellen's in the car going, you found out the secret! You found out the secret! He never tells him what the secret is. Yeah, dick move. I know he's <laughs> going to try and kill him, but dick move, you know what I mean? Um, did we mention that, like, in the film, Ian McKellen's character is meant to have defected to... Not defected, but he wants to win so... He wants to find out the Holy Grail so badly, he started... He, like, chose to Kill, work killing with Opus members. Day. Yes, works with Opus Day, kills members of the Sion because he, he thinks it's his shot at it. Whatever. So Who weird. So shit. Yeah, three. What are you giving him as a dick meter? Three. three. Give him a three um, and... Most importantly, uh, before we get onto the Hanks Bank, do you think Tom Hanks as a three on the dick meter could metaphorically fit in the size of the Holy Grail? Jesus. Because it's a, it's a um, vagina, Al. The Holy Grail is a vagina. We've, for a podcast which normally doesn't say the word vagina a lot, we have said the word vagina many times in this podcast. Uh, quite a lot. About also, especially, especially because I think it's actually technically described as a womb throughout the whole film. It's not actually, a vagina at you all. Know what? Now I think about it, that makes a lot more sense because vaginas aren't shaped like that at all, as we have repeatedly said, uh, but wombs are. Oh, I don't know what kind of vaginas you've been seeing, my guy! <laughs> <laughs> anyway, 
Does the oh my girlfriend listens to this show? Hey mum. As does your mum. Your mum. Your mum like has been championing us on social oh, media, mom, and now I've said the word vagina nine Twitter times. followers. My mum has two thousand. She has, and we have less than two hundred. I set ourselves a challenge to get to two hundred months ago, uh, well, a month and a half ago, and uh, we're still at like one forty, uh, which you know was yeah. up from our sixty. But you know, hey. Sure. Way well, to go, bl- Mum. Keep plugging us, God, and Jamie will stop God, talking about yeah. vaginas as soon as we get <laughs> to two thousand. Plugging us, just like I plug vaginas. Let's go. Is this going in your hanks bank account? <laughs> Sorry, oh, Mum. Jesus. Um, no, this is not going in my hanks bank. See, this is why I don't recommend my family listen to this. To be fair, I do uh, recommend no. my mum listen to this, but I appreciate that she does. I think she does. I'm not sure. She definitely tweets about it. A yeah, lot. It, yeah, it's, it's, also, it's very tweeting about it. Don't listen a, to us, mum. Yeah. It's very possible that she's just very supportive and hasn't listened to a single fucking minute of this oh, podcast. I really hope so. I know at the beginning she listened to one and was like, Jamie's quite loud on the podcast, isn't he? And I think that was when they, she stopped the first round. But then I moved to Canada, so maybe she wants to hear my voice. Who knows? Ah. Uh, Oh, <laughs> and, and she instead she gets to hear, to hear you talking about vaginas, <laughs> and and you mentioning the word vagina at least a few times. Anyway, God, we should definitely get away from this now. Um, so of course this isn't going on a Hanks Bank. So when things don't go in our Hanks Bank, we <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, did you do you ever like reassess your entire life in real time? Um, a little bit. It's not. Here's my thing. Right, growing up. I'm not sure what it was like in your house. Like, you know how, like, when you're young kids, um, boys tend to refer to their penises as willies? Bit funny, but sure. And then girls have, like, a broad <laughs> range of terms they use instead of vagina. I mean, I, I, I grew up only with a brother, oh, so oh, no. Well, it was mainly, I, I don't think I heard the word the vagina the until I was 16 years old. In my family, it was referred to as a vagina. In, but, like, you'd, I, my sister had girlfriends and I had females, who, and they would refer to it as, the, uh, the synonyms used were flower, foo-foo, and petal. <laughs> And uh, you know what? Of all those, vagina is the definitely better thing to tell your kid what the female uh, genitalia <laughs> is called. Definitely call it that. That's much better than foo Oh, goodness. Anyway, uh, foo-foo's notwithstanding. When things don't go in our Hanks Bank, uh, we have to present something else <laughs> to the aliens to satiate with. <laughs> we can't stop thinking about this entire movie. But instead of calling it a womb, we're just like, yeah, the vagina is pointed downwards like a downwards point. Over, <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, like... Listeners, whatever the fifty, I should be fair. I've looked at the stats; about sixty percent of female, and um, they all got. Where did you get? Wait, where did you get that stat from? I've not seen that stat. Uh, Apple Podcasts has a. I'll, I'll let you know about this later. But Apple Podcasts basically okay. is a beta for analytics, and it will then break it down by gender. So that's how huh, I know. Fun. Hey, ladies. <laughs> hey, ladies. <laughs> Clearly, Jamie knows a lot about vaginas. <laughs> I imagine that if if the majority of our listeners are ladies, we're not going to have many listeners after this episode. We haven't said anything Alexander. We just said the word vagina way too much. And moving on, what goes in your hangs bag? What is going to? No, it's not going in my hangs bag. What's saving humanity this week? Oh, the National Treasure films, of course. One and two uh, both go in. I I get a little DVD, well, maybe a Blu-ray box set with, uh, of course, uh, National Treasure one on one side, National Treasure two on the other side of the box. Uh, We're getting a double pack there guys super cool um they're really fun movies i, I really recommend you watch the, like watch the first one it's just like a fun stupid race through like against time the stakes are high because they might die otherwise they need to find like a big templar treasure the templars are also in it what it's like there's a connection with the da vinci code but unlike the da vinci code 
it's just less dumb. Like it's it, it's not less dumb. It's just like more fun. It's infinitely more fun. Fantastic, good choice. Uh, for me, it's going to be bamboo socks this week. Uh, that's what's going to save humanity. Um, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but uh, I am probably the world's biggest bamboo socks fan. Uh, anyone who doesn't know. Bamboo uh, can be used as a um, sort of soft material. Uh, it can, I've also got some bamboo sheets. They're the fucking best thing ever. Uh, but bamboo socks specifically were my first... Intro- I've also got a bamboo t-shirt. Bamboo socks were uh, my first introduction to uh, bamboo as a material. And they are the softest material you ever touch. They are absolutely fantastic i use a particular company called bam they are my favorite company they sent me a free pair of bamboo socks this week that's what revitalized my love for them uh, and i have gone and bought eight more uh, <laughs> jesus christ that worked really, so clearly they're, yeah they're, really they're well marked, yeah i am a slave to the corporate machine i'm not spending any money on anything fucking else i can't go outside so if you if you're not going outside put on some bamboo socks and make you feel like you're glinded on air and that's what's going to save humanity this week. Me and all the aliens, we're going to pop on Bambi socks and we're just going to feel like like the little babies we deserve to be. So, you want to be a little uh, baby? The, yeah, you want to be a it makes baby? me feel like a baby. I, I want to be a baby. Babies don't have to stress. Babies don't have to say the word vagina. Everything's great with babies. I find it really uncomfortable uh, how, un- like really funny how uncomfortable saying the word vagina makes you. <laughs> how many times i've said it this show uh, would very much belie that fact but anyway um and so if you've enjoyed this show which god knows why uh, you can follow us at hangs bank pod at jamie p locks and at al underscore c's underscore stuff you can also now find us on facebook and instagram on instagram we are just hanks at hanks bank i believe yeah at hanks underscore bank at, at hanks underscore bank um this is Al's the new pet project, uh, so please do uh, give it a follow. He's posting lots of ridiculous uh, photoshops and etc. on there, and you can find us on Facebook as well. Uh, or just, you know, as usual, tell your friends about us, get them to listen to us. Uh, what else can they do, Alexander? Uh, guys, look, let's get simple here. I know you've had uh, a great time, uh, you know, listening to Jamie's opinions on vaginas, and you think, hey, I love, you know, listening <laughs> to really men talking about to get away women's bodies. <laughs> Uh, but instead what you're going to do is of course you're going to find a friend of yours it uh, doesn't matter what kind of genitalia they have or don't have <laughs> absolutely fine pick any kind of friend what you're then going to do is of course go onto their podcast services if they don't have a podcast app download them a podcast app that's what you want to do and then you're going to download every single one of those episodes and then you're going to tape them to a chair like Silas was taped to a chair and then you're going to tell them to listen to all those episodes and that in the episodes there's going to be a riddle and there's a riddle and a clue which maybe Jamie oh, has figured out fuck. by now but no, I haven't. For fuck's sake. Jokes aside, my idea emerges synchronized under xylitol. Please put me out of my misery. Ooh. See, here's the thing. But, do, do I, do I end no, it now? No, no, no. Fuck you. Fuck you. It is a good resolution. It was the beginning of this podcast. It's now going to be the end of this podcast. Tell me the fuck. It's, that's a great book into this podcast. Fucking tell right, me the right, I want fucking you, I want solution. you to sit there and I want you to, okay. uh, to, to imagine you're Robert Langdon. Okay. I want you to underline the first letter of uh, every word. Jamie sucks. Great. Fucking from me, (laughs) Jamie, and my co-host, Al. That's one more ep in the bank. The clues. (laughs) I fucking hate you. Hank's bank.